Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to BrainsOn, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Okay, this star trip has been amazing. I can't believe we've traveled from the inner core of the Earth all the way to the moon. We've got so much great material for our new book, Road Trip Earth. It's been epic. People are going to love this book. And I can't wait to show everybody my road trip photos. Our road trip photos? Well, they're, they're mostly of me because, let's face it, I'm everyone's favorite. You mean you are your favorite. Exactly. But there's got to be one of you in here somewhere. Um, Oh, look, here. You can see the back of your head in this one. Well, that's something. Mark, how about we pull over our all-terrain, all-planet vehicle to stretch our legs and replenish our snacks? We may be in the home stretch, but we still got a little ways to go. On it. Pulling over the Explorer, a.k.a. the Extremely Practical Land and Ocean Rover Exploring Remote Realms. And look, I know the whole point of an acronym is so I don't have to say the whole name every time, but it's so fun. Extremely practical land and ocean rover exploring remote realm. Extremely practical. Oh, Manica's calling. Hi, Manica. We miss you. Manica, did you get the last selfie I texted you? I did, as well as the other 37 selfies since we last talked. Which was your favorite? It's okay to say all of them. Manica, I can't wait to see you. I know. I'm so excited you guys are on your way back out. But I'm not just calling to say hi. We have a bit of an issue here at Brains on Headquarters. Oh, no. What's up? Well, Baxter just got here to record an episode with me. Hi, guys. Hey, Baxter. But when we got into the studio, Bob was in there. And he had pretty much dismantled and alphabetized all the gear. It's going to take me at least a few hours to get it back into working order. So. I was wondering if I could have Elevator drop Baxter off at the Explorer, and then you guys can record there. Oh, sure. I built a sweet mobile studio in here, too. Sending Elevator our coordinates now. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Uh Uh-oh, gotta run. Bob, please stop alphabetizing. Maybe take a soup break? All right, Baxter should be here in three, two... Here we are. The Brains on Extremely Practical Land and Ocean Rover Exploring Remote Realms. Thanks, Elevator. Happy to have a break from writing my memoir, The Uplifting Life of the World's Smartest Elevator. Okay, bye. Hey, Baxter. So this was an episode about mountains, right? Yeah. Well, this is perfect because there's a mountain right over there, and I think the top of it would be the ideal spot for a group photo to commemorate our road trip. So let's record the episode on our way up. Does that sound good? Let's do it. All right, everyone, buckle up. We have a mountain to climb!
You're listening to Brains On from APM Studios. I'm Molly Bloom, and today we're broadcasting from the Brains On Explorer with my co-host, Baxter, from Camden, Maine. Hi, Baxter. Hi. Thank you for joining us. I'm always down for an adventure, or up, you know, because we're going up a mountain. (laughs) That's exactly what we like to hear. And you wrote to us with a question about mountains. Yeah, I want to know, if heat rises, then why is it so cold at the top of mountains? When were you inspired to ask that question? What made you think of it? I think it was like one or two years ago when we were hiking up, I forget which mountain. I think it was someplace close to Camden, but I'm not sure. And I asked that at the top of the mountain. It's a very good question. So where where is like the closest mountain to you where you live? Oh, about like, I could walk to it in probably 10 minutes. Oh, so you can, like, see it from your house. Yeah. So when did you start hiking up mountains? Like, I've hiked for—I've been hiking for quite a while. Like, even when before I could hike, my parents were always hiking mountains while I was in, like, a little backpack, basically. So you've been, like, hiking mountains since before you could even hike yourself. You've been all over. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So what is your favorite thing about hiking mountains? Uh, it's just kind of peaceful. And it's kind of repetitive and leaves you lots of times to just think about stuff. So, like, the mountain by your house that's so close, have you hiked up that mountain? Uh, yes. It's not that tall. It's, like, 1,000 feet or something, straight up. That sounds sounds tall to me. But the the tallest mountain that I think I've hiked is, like, 6,000-something feet. Wow. Yeah, mountains are amazing, and I'm so glad someone with so much firsthand mountain experience is here to help us answer the mountains of questions from our listeners all about these picture-perfect peaks. Hi, my name is Diego, and I'm from San Francisco, California. Hi, my name is Maya from Pemberton, B.C. My question is, how were mountains formed? My question is, how do mountains form? I thought about this question when I was reading a book about mountains. Thanks to Diego and Maya for sending us those questions. We'll hear more of your mountain questions later in the show. So let's start with how mountains are formed. Oh, I got this one. So it all starts with itty-bitty molehills. Those are baby mountains. And as long as they eat all their vegetables, they grow big and strong. Before you know it, bam, mountain formed. Next question. Uh, Sandin, are you sure about that? Mmm, yeah, no. I just said the first thing that popped into my head. Hmm, we might need backup. You know what this calls for? Time to speed dial a scientist. It's time to speed dial a scientist. Yeah. Let's call up our friend, Dr. Dahlia Kirschbaum. She's a research scientist and chief of the Hydrological Sciences Lab at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. Hello, Dahlia. Are you there? Hi. Dahlia, it's Molly, Mark, Sandin, and Baxter here. We are so glad we got a hold of you. Sure. So, Dahlia, how do mountains form in the first place? 
Well, understanding how mountains form is such a great question. And one of the things we have to realize is that we're standing on the surface, right? We're here where there's grass and there's soil and rocks, pebbles. But what's happening underneath the surface is really exciting. So directly underneath our crust, we have this really big rocky layer of earth. And that's made up of 50 different tectonic plates, which is these different plates that are moving around usually really, really slowly. So the Earth's crust is kind of like a bunch of plates? Think of them more like puzzle pieces that kind of fit together to cover the planet. But instead of these puzzle pieces fitting on your coffee table, they're thousands of miles wide and some are the size of entire continents. Okay, whoa, that's an epic puzzle. Yeah, and these plates are always sliding and moving and bumping into each other, but very slowly. Still, with plates that big, all that action makes for some dramatic changes on the surface of the planet. And so when these plates move, it can cause different mountain types to form. And there's lots of different types of mountains, but In addition to mountains, we can also get valleys, and that's what forms what we call the topography or the different changes in elevation all around our Earth. Okay, so how exactly do these plates make mountains? So one of the ways you can think of this is if you fold up a dish towel and you you flatten it out on a table, and then you put your hands and start to move them together really slowly, you can start to see the folds which go up and down of the towel. Ooh, I want to try. Let's see. So if I put my hands on either end of this towel here and I push my hands together, ha, look, a little tiny peak formed at the center. Just like a mountain. I'm calling this the dish rag range. Plates can move next to each other or go underneath each other. That can form different types of mountains. And then we also have volcanoes that can add to the different mountain building processes. Volcanoes? How does that work? So we talked about the crust, right? We talked about this thick layer with plates in it. But underneath that is actually some a molten layer, which has magma in it. And so when there's a hot spot, when things get hot, that can actually poke through the crust and that can cause volcanoes. So that can build up the magma, builds up and builds up and creates different forms of volcanoes that are also types of mountains. And you said they move really slowly, but how slow are we talking about here? Slower than a turtle? Slower than Sandin before his morning coffee? Slower than Bob alphabetizing brains on headquarters? That's right. Well, this this is a very, very slow process. But to build a mountain range as tall as Mount Everest, which is the tallest mountain in the world, um, it, it takes a really long time. So some of the oldest mountains that we have on the planet are from 3.5 billion years ago. And those are in Africa as well as in Australia. But actually, if anyone's ever been to this Black Hills in South Dakota and Wyoming, those formed 1.8 billion years ago. That's a really, really long time ago. So these mountains are billions of years old? That's way before the dinosaurs first roamed Earth. Yeah, fun fact, those tectonic plates move so slow, they're actually moving at the same rate that our fingernails grow, which is just a couple of millimeters every few months. That's why it takes millions and billions of years for them to form the majestic mountains we know today. Wow. Wow. 
Now, in comparison, some of the newest mountain ranges are actually in Asia in what's called the Himalayas. And they were formed a very short 40 million years ago. They're home to the highest peaks on Earth, and specifically Mount Everest is five and a half miles above sea level, which is where the ocean meets. So when it comes to mountains, 40 million years ago is new? Kind of wild, right? But yeah, it's true. Millions of years isn't very long when it comes to geology. Okay, so most mountains were formed over millions, even billions of years ago. Are any of them still growing today? We know that some mountains are getting taller and some mountains are getting shorter, and they're doing this through different processes. So let's first talk about the mountains that are getting taller. So as these plates move together, if you think of, if you're moving your hands, if one of them goes under the other plate, which is called subduction, the plate that's on top gets pushed up. I see. So if I start with my hands flat, fingertip to fingertip, and I slowly start to push my left hand over my right one, my left fingertips get higher and higher as my right hand pushes underneath. Cool. And that's what's happening in in Mount Everest right now in that region is that the plate is from India is actually going under the plate from Asia, and that causes the mountains to get higher. Mount Everest? More like Mount Never Rest. <laughs> because it's it's still it's it's still growing. You you guys get it, right? Now, in other areas and in all mountain ranges, mountains can get shorter. And this is caused by erosion and by weather and climate. So with rain, lots of rain and earthquakes, it can shake up the rocks and cause them to go downhill. It's like when you're making a sandcastle at the beach. A gust of wind could blow away the top of your tower, or maybe it starts raining and your castle walls start to fall. That's like erosion wearing down a mountain over time, right? That's right. We must be getting close to the top because service is getting kind of spotty, Dahlia. Thanks, Dahlia, for speaking with us. No problem. All right, Baxter. Mark has equipped this explorer with a fun game to keep us occupied while we drive. Mark, press the button because it's time for the... Here it is. All right, Baxter, what is your guess? It sounds kind of like someone, like, sticking their foot in something gooey, then, like, taking it out. Mm. Then, like, putting it back in and then taking it out again. Very, very good guess. But then also, it also kind of sounds like someone moving rocks at the same time. Hmm. Gooey, sticky, feet, rocks, something. All right, well, we're going to hear it. Again, I give you another chance to guess right after the credits. We're working on an episode all about worms, and we want to hear from you. If you could name a pet worm, what name would you give them? So Baxter, what would you name a worm? Jerry. <laughs> Delightful. Record your answer and send it to us at brainson.org slash contact. While you're there, you can also send us mystery sounds, drawings, ideas, and questions. 
just like this one. My name is Ava from Michigan. My question is, why do pine trees not lose their needles in the winter like how other trees lose their leaves? You can find an answer to that on our new Moment of Um podcast. Find it and subscribe wherever you listen to Brains On. And it would mean a lot to us, like a lot, a lot, if you ordered our new books. We have a book called Road Trip Earth, documenting our epic road trip in the Explorer. It's full of facts, comics, mystery photos, and more. And we also have a picture book, too. It's called Earth Friend Forever. You can check out all three Brains On books at brainson.org slash books. Thank you so much. And keep listening. You're listening to Brains On from APM Studios. I'm Baxter. And I'm Molly. And I'm Sandin. And I'm Mark. And we're rolling, rolling, rolling up the mountain. To find out why it's so cold up there. Let's roll down the window and see what the temperature is like now. Ah, refreshing mountain air. Did you know the air is thinner up high? Yeah, that means there's less oxygen in every breath. So that might be why you keep taking those deep, refreshing inhales, Mark. Good gravy, Molly. Close the window. It's freezing. Okay, okay. The hills are alive with the sound of... Buzzing? Ah, a bumblebee flew in. A bumblebee? Up here? That's Ms. Bee, if you please. And yes, bumblebees can fly at very high altitudes. As the air gets thinner, we just beat our wings at a wider angle to stay afloat. But don't you get cold? Well, yes, sometimes. You know, I could fly over the top of Mount Everest. But I prefer to fly at lower altitudes because it's just too darn cold way up there. It is. It's uh, too darn cold. Too darn cold. (laughs) Oh, there's my field of columbine flowers. Let me off here, please. Pulling over. Buzz you later. Great to meet you, but it ain't no lie. Bumblebee, bye, 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 bye. Ta-ta. Mark, enough with the singing. Huh? That's, That's not me. Ha, ha. Very funny, Mark. But look, this is a long trip, and I'm going to need some peace and... No, Mark's right. The sound's coming from... Me! Huh? Look over there, on that little rocky outcropping. Is that a mouse? No, I'm a pika. I might look like a mouse, but I'm actually more closely related to rabbits. People think I'm very cute. You are, but you're also very noisy. Sort of like Mark. I'll take that as a compliment. How do you survive all the way up here? Our bodies are specially designed to survive on thin air with low oxygen levels. Plus, the heat is our enemy. If it's over 78 degrees Fahrenheit, we can die from overheating. Oh no. Oh yes. So the crisp mountain air is part of how we survive. Now if you'll excuse me, I need to go munch on some more wildflowers. Okay, bye. Bye. Close the door, you guys. On the road again. Say goodbye to my little pika friend. Mark? Sorry, I I can't help it. Road trips make me singy. 
Life is a highway. I will ride it all day long. Wait, whoa, watch out up ahead. Ah, there's something in the road. Ah, breaking, breaking. Wow, those are some furry cows. Oh, those are yaks. And knacks. Female yaks are called knacks. Oh, my apologies. Your fur looks very warm. It is. It keeps us warm at up to negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit. We also have huge lungs, so our body can capture lots of oxygen from the thin air. Then our huge heart helps pump that oxygen in our blood around our body, which keeps us warm. My, what big horns you have. Better to smash the snow with, my dear. We eat the greens underneath and lick moss and lichen off of rocks with our scratchy tongues. Ooh, wow. Hey, look. There's our mountain goats, too. See? Those white animals up there, walking along the sheer rock wall. Wow. How do they do it? Ooh, their, their hooves are cloven, so they spread wide for amazing balance. Young goats can even start scrambling around the day after they're born. Oh, cool. Let's go say hello. I want to meet them. Um, maybe not. Female mountain goats can be vicious if they think you're threatening their young. And that one has a kid. That doesn't sound like a kid to me. Kids sound more like this. Ah, I have so much energy. I'm a little kid. Ah, I didn't even have any coffee. This is just what it's like to be me. Wah! Baby mountain goats are called kids. Oh. You know, I thought high up on a mountaintop, you wouldn't find any wild animals. But given all the wildlife we've seen, I was clearly wrong. Totally. Now, let's go. We are almost at the top. So come on, let's drive, drive, drive. Look who's singing now. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! Woo! We finally made it! Oh, and what a view up here! Yeah, I think I can see headquarters. And, and wait, is that Gunganor using my eyebrow brush again? Hey, you lovable monster! Get your own brow brush! Sure is cold, though. Yeah, good thing I packed a pack of purple and pink power parkas. Perfect for peering off pretty peaks. Ice cream, ice cream, live the dream with icy cream! Ooh, ice cream. Ice cream? All the way up here? Yes, sir. Indeedy doody. I've got flavors from chocolate to fruity. Want a snack but forgot to pack? I've got you covered. I've got your back. Get ready for a flavor attack. Who is this dude? It's me. Hello, I'm Mr. Bart, the rhyming dancing ice cream cart guy. Mr. Bart, don't you think it's a little cold for ice cream? You know, I thought up here so close to the sun, it's sure to be hotter than a hot cross bun. But lo and behold, on a mountaintop, it's frostier than my frostiest pop. Yeah, it's kind of odd. I mean, hot air rises, and we're closer to the sun, so why is it that it's so cold? I've always wondered that. Our listeners wondered that, too. Actually, I think I brought their questions with me. Oh, yeah, here, in this jar. Let me unscrew the cap, and... My name is Ben from Los Angeles, California. My name is Nora from Omaha, Nebraska. My name is Oliver from... Phoenix, Maryland. My name is Magenta. I'm from Brisbane in Australia. If hot air rises, why does it get colder when you go higher? A few years back, we went to the Rocky Mountains, and it was super cold up there, but we forgot warm clothes. I went on a camping trip to Arizona, but we went to a higher elevation, and it was really cold while the desert was hot. When you climb a mountain, shouldn't it be warmer because you're closer to the sun? 
Whoa, great questions. Yeah, I also have some questions. How did you get those into a jar? Yeah, I can help explain this one. Okay, so there are actually a bunch of reasons why it's colder on top of mountains. I was just talking to my pal Deanna Hentz about this. Oh, Deanna Hentz, Assistant Professor of Atmospheric Science at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign? Yeah, her. Cool, what did she say? Well, okay, so she told me a lot of it has to do with how hot air works in general. You see, hot air comes from the sun warming up the ground. And that warm ground then passes that energy to the air around it. Which sounds a little hard to picture, but sometimes you can actually see it happening. Um, how did she explain it? Oh, wait, I have her explanation here in the Ziploc bag. So you can see this probably most dramatically when you're out in the desert and you're, say, looking at a road and you're seeing it be all shiny. Well, that shininess is a mirage. And the reason why that mirage is actually happening is because the air that's immediately above the ground is being heated by the ground. And that's actually changing how light bends through the air. So if you see a mirage on some concrete on a hot day, you're just seeing the ground heating up some low-lying air. Cool, right? I mean, hot, right? Very. I didn't know that about mirages. And I did not know you could put a voice into a Ziploc bag. Can you tell me how this... Yeah, so that hot air, it rises and it expands, which means it goes up and wants to spread out. But here's what happens as it does that. As that bubble of hot air floats up, it becomes surrounded by cooler and cooler air, and it starts to lose its energy, you know, its heat. Um, oh, think of it like this. Picture a bounce house full of rowdy kids. The kids are like the excited air molecules, full of energy which makes them shoot around really fast. The pocket of warm air is like the bounce house. Now, as these kids bounce around, boing, 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 they actually push against the bounce house so hard, they stretch it out, making it bigger and bigger. Just like the warm air expands as it rises. Exactly. But stretching out that bounce house, as you can imagine, that's a lot of hard work, and it takes a lot of energy. So the longer these kids do it, the more tired they become, until eventually, (sighs) they're pooped. What that means for hot air is, as it expands and rises, it uses up all its energy, aka its heat, and eventually it cools down. That happens way before it reaches a mountaintop, so even though hot air rises, it doesn't have enough energy to go from the ground all the way to the tippy top of a tall mountain. So that's part of why it's cold up here. But riddle me this, my learned fellow. Take a look around. We are up high, that is true, but we are also on the ground. Wouldn't the sun warm this too, creating hot air on this peak? If so, then why have I been so cold selling ice cream here all week? Ah, great follow-up, Mr. Bart. You see, the sun is warming the ground here too, yeah, but the answer you seek has to do with the peak. That rhyme was nice, my home slice. I know, right? Uh, Here, Deanna explained this to me too, and I think I brought her explanation in this pocket. Oh, shoot, no, no, (laughs) that's my tap dancing elephant sound. Better put that back. Whoa, not that pocket, okay. Uh, Ah, here we go. Yeah, she said when you're on a peak, you have ground under you, but not as much around you. Because you're on a slope and you're basically exposed to air that's not touching the ground, So, like, if you think about if you're, like, standing in a field in a very flat 
space, right? You know, if you're, you know, you're getting a breeze across your face, all that air has had time to just travel over just miles and miles and miles of warm land, right? So as it's doing that, it's it's picking up heat as it's, you know, from the ground, as it's traveling over the ground. If you're, if you're at the top of a mountain, yeah, maybe the little pocket that's right around you may be getting heated by the ground that you're standing on. But a lot of the air that's coming from that breeze is all coming from stuff that's not touching the ground. And that other air, the stuff around the peak, it's cold. And it makes the breeze and the air up high pretty cold, too. Wow, that answer deserves a standing ovation. I have one here in my wallet. Okay, am I the only one who isn't carrying sounds with them at all times? As for the sun... Yeah, we're closer, but given how far the sun is from the planet, we're really not close enough to make a difference heat-wise. These are just some of the reasons it's cold on top of a mountain, and why you, Mr. Bart, probably should have sold hot chocolate instead of frozen fudgesicles. Wow, I feel so much smarter having learned about air and atmospheric science. Now excuse me while I move my cart and something, something rhymes with science. Bye! Wait, Mr. Bart, will you join us for our group photo? I thought you'd never ask. Being in photos is my favorite task. Ooh, let's get the mountain animals in on this, too. Okay, huddle in, everybody. Um, hey, Yak and Knack, you're kind of blocking Baxter, so scooch over just to... Okay, perfect, right there. All right, say cheese. Cheese! If you please. And stick around for the answer to the mystery sound in just a moment. Mountains form when tectonic plates crash into each other or overlap. This takes millions and millions of years, and some mountains are still growing today. Volcanoes are also a type of mountain. Mountains are full of wild animals that have special features that help them survive up high. Even though the hot air rises, that air loses energy as it floats up, so mountaintops are usually very cold. That's it for this episode of Brains On. This episode was produced by Molly Bloom, Rosie DuPont, Ruby Guthrie, Mark Sanchez, Sandin Totten, and Manica Wilhelm. Our fellow is Anna Goldfield, and our executive producer is Beth Perlman. We had engineering help from Johnny Vince Evans, Noah Cole, and Peter Starkey. The executives in charge of APM Studios are Lily Kim, Alex Schaffer, and Joanne Griffith. Special thanks to Rick and Carrie Thackeray and Anna Weggle. Brains On is a nonprofit public radio program. There are lots of ways you can support the show. You can donate, buy our books, or tell your friends about us. Head to brainson.org to find the links to donate and buy the books. And remember, you can find an answer to the moment of um question, do mice really like cheese, on the Moment of Um podcast. Before we go, Baxter, are you ready to hear that mystery sound one more time? Yes. Here it is. Any new thoughts? I think my first guess was the was right, like the sticking the foot in something sticky. Do you have any thoughts about what that sticky substance might be? Maybe mud, but I'm not sure. It's true. Our listeners like to stump us with their mystery sounds, so it could be jello for all we know. Are you ready for the answer? Yes. Here it is. Hi, my name is Maisie and I'm from Petaluma. Um, California, and that was the sound of me stepping in mud. 
I made it squishier by um, mixing more mud together with it. It's very sticky. <laughs> Faxter, nice work. Thanks. So have you walked through mud yourself? Uh, yes, there's been a lot of mud with, like, the snow melting, then more snow falling, then all that snow melting, and then it raining, and then more snow than that snow melting, and yeah. <laughs> so you have a lot of experience with mud. Yeah. I am very excited to read this list of names. It's time for the Brains Honor Roll. These are the incredible listeners who send us their drawings, mystery sounds, questions, and high fives. Addison from Reading, Pennsylvania, Sophie and Frankie from Portland, Oregon, Martin and Riley from Alpine, New Jersey, Colin from Marietta, Georgia, Hayden from San Jose, California, Max from Jacksonville Beach, Florida, Natalie from Mansfield, Texas, Nicholas from Carrollton, Texas, Timberly from St. Lazar, Quebec, Annalyn and Emron from Coquitlam, British Columbia, Easton and Asher from Richmond, Virginia, Molly from Holly Springs, North Carolina, Oscar, Amelie, and Sophia from State College, Pennsylvania, Ben from Encino, California, Leo, Zach, and Eloise from Vancouver, Emma from Leewood, Kansas, Mimi from Chicago, Nick from Phnom Penh, Cambodia, Callista and Phoebe from Littleton, Colorado, Lola from Alameda, California, London and Julian from Salt Lake City, Olivia from Lexington, Massachusetts, Nikki from Ottawa, Jesse from Charlottesville, Virginia, Joaquin and Javier from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Julia from Dedham, Massachusetts, Chloe from Adelaide, Australia, Cece and Tucker from St. Simons Island, Georgia, Adela from Los Angeles, Layla from Wollongong, Australia, Lyra from San Diego, Cora from Portland, Oregon, Colby from Massachusetts, Tess and Chris from Sulphur Springs, Arkansas, Jack from Cape Town, South Africa, Musa from Rabat, Morocco, Augustus from Seattle, Dabak and Darsh from Madison, Mississippi, Zoe from Littleton, Colorado, Madison and Taylor from Houston, Jessica from North Carolina, Henrietta from Los Angeles, Suye and Puma from Wilmington, Delaware, Haroon from Concord, New Hampshire, Torrance from Camarillo, California, Caroline from Wainwright, Alberta, Joshua and Ezra from Louisville, Kentucky, Megana from Philadelphia, Otis and Rosemary from Santa Barbara, California, Mila from Detroit, Delaney from Maple Grove, Minnesota, Simon from St. Paul, Minnesota, Morty and Zelda from Henderson, Nevada, Kylie from Lake Worth, Florida, Toby and Georgia from Brisbane, Australia, Daphne from Eaton, Ohio, Mercy from New Jersey, Jane from Saratoga, New York, Aiden from Salem, Utah, Simone and Lazar from Berkeley, California, Yu from New York City, Heathcliff from Malta, Max from Albuquerque, New Mexico, Rachel from Teaneck, New Jersey, Vishal from Calgary, Alberta, Rusty and Dottie from Dayton, Oregon, Aiden and Adriana from Federal Way, Washington, and Emily and James from Boston. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening.